Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show. Coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska. Where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Well, good morning, everybody. It's uh, Monday morning, the Must Read Alaska show coming to you live from somewhere in Alaska. And we are on Facebook today. And then later on uh, in, in the day, John Quick, my co-host and trusty vice president of business development, will get this posted to all of our podcast channels, including Spotify and, and YouTube and Pandora and Google Play and iTunes. Anyway, we have a big show today. Um, I just want to mention that um, Must Read Alaska, of course, is, is got a new motto. We're the force for good. And what we try to do is the right thing every day for Alaska and present the conservative side of the news because it is really, really hard to get conservative side, uh, the conservative opinion in the mainstream media. They're just not covering it. They're not giving it its due. And they certainly, when they do cover it, they they cover it really disrespectfully. It's, it's kind of always a sideswipe. So we like to, um, to, to emphasize the conservative point of view. And uh, we really appreciate you, our readers, our listeners, our viewers, for coming alongside us to be a force of good also. And John Quick from Nikiski, what's going on in Nikiski today? You can uh, give us a shout out for our, our, um, our show sponsor. Yes. Yeah, so we want to thank Shoshana Gunderstein for uh, Senate for sponsoring the show. She she and her team have sponsored the show this last month and this month. We're very excited that she's doing that. Um, she's running for state Senate or U.S. Sorry, U.S. Senate. And uh, you can check out her campaign at uh, GungersteinForSenate.com. Just Google that and she'll pop right up. Uh, she's nonpartisan and uh, pro-energy and got a couple of things to say about how Joe Biden is not doing a good job. So um, it's because of her that we're able to spread conservative news through all the nooks and crannies of Alaska. So we're very excited for that. Out here in Nikiski, things are going great. Uh, family and I went to Homer yesterday. Homer was packed. I mean, it was probably the most packed I've seen Homer in years, even before COVID. Um, there was a ridiculous amount of RVs. There was a ridiculous amount of people fishing. There was a ridiculous amount of just everyday tourists uh, walking around on the spit. Um, now, granted, we were only hanging out on the spit, but it was as packed, if not more packed than I've ever seen it before. So um, if that's a sign of is tourism back uh, in Alaska, tourism is back in Alaska, at least on the Homer spit. So um, kudos to all the folks in Homer that uh, you know, revolve around the tourism industry, I bet. And I hope that your businesses are doing well. Um, a quick update. I, folks have been asking, even though we've done stories on it, um, I get asked just on my, you know, whether it's on Facebook, I see comments or people send me a message. Is there any update on the um, uh, stuff that happened in Soldatna with the uh, uh, drag queen stuff? Uh, there was a drag queen show at a public park uh, that was uh, identified and marketed as a family-friendly kids program. And really the latest update is that the city of Soldatna showed up in droves at the last city of Soldatna city council meeting. 
and voice their concerns, um, rightfully so. And so kudos to folks in Soldatna that did that and that were respectful in the process. I think it's very important to show up and be respectful and not scream and yell at folks, but just state your case and your facts and how you feel about something. And I think a lot of folks did that. Now, unfortunately, it pretty much fell on deaf ears as um, one of the city council members, and I'm paraphrasing, said, basically, if you don't like this, go to another park. So I don't see much changing with the city of Soldatna. You know, if if I were them, I would take a slice and hu a humble pie and a, and a lesson in humility, a, a very simple oh, we're sorry about that. We'll try to do better next time would have alleviated 99% of all this. Uh, unfortunately, right. they refused to do that. And they do the opposite of that, in fact. And uh, so I think you'll see this continue, City of Soldatna. You'll see people show up. You'll see people um, get uh, organized. And really, it all could have been stopped with a little bit of humility. And unfortunately, that, um, again, that has been met with the opposite of that from the City of Soldatna. So lesson to you and hopefully you learn something along the way. Well, John, you know, those, uh, the drag queens are brought in from Anchorage. So I'm sorry, it's one of our little exports that we have up here. And uh, unfortunately they, they were, um, they were not getting a family friendly show that it was, uh, it was not, these were not fully clothed drag queens. These were very scantily clad and provocative uh, drag queens. Um, there was some footage that we pulled and we um, were able to, to publish that showed that uh, one of the drag queens followed a, a girl into the women's restroom there at the park. And so, you, you know, you're really having some issues there. And I'm really sorry that we exported our drag queens to you. But um, uh, Soldatna, you just need to do better. You don't need to yeah. be like Anchorage. If you really want to have the kind of strife that we have politically in Anchorage, just keep going down that path because the, the public will will uh, rise up just like they have in Anchorage. And Anchorage, of course, is just become um, it's just it's just become so contentious because our leftist uh, assembly here is so far to the extreme that it that the public reacts. The public probably wouldn't react if they were slightly left of center, but they are just extremists on the assembly. So don't be like Anchorage, or you'll just have the, <laughs> the kind of unhappiness that we have up here. Well, John, we have uh, uh, 22 days until the uh, election, and that will be the special election so that we can determine who will fill out the rest of Don Young's seat. And that's the general special general election. And that's on August 16th. That's going to be on the re reverse side of your primary ballot. So you've got your regular primary ballot and you flip it over and it's going to be a ranked choice uh, general election. It'll be the first time that we have to experiment with this crazy ranked choice voting. We're supposed to have four choices, but of course we only have three because the whole system is, is so screwed up. Thank you, Scott Kendall, for screwing up our elections. And um, but right now we're we're seven days away from when special um, you know the special needs voting, in-person voting starts. And so in seven days, people are going to be able to start voting if they want to in person. So this is really coming at us fast. We're really three weeks away from the end of the of the regular primary, and we will we won't know right away who's going to fill out this seat for Don Young, John, because with this ranked choice voting, it could be very close. And if it's very close, they're going to have to wait for votes to come in from overseas or from out of state. 
or from wherever the vote that'll be done by mail. Now this is an in-person election, but those who want to vote absentee can still request a ballot and get that sent to them. And that has always been the case. So if it's very close, we might not know for a few days. They're gonna count some of the ballots on election night, which is um, August 16th. And then uh, they'll count some more the next day and some more the next day. So we might not know until the end of August exactly where we're at with this, but it's all coming at, out, coming at us fast, three weeks away. And uh, uh, on our top stories today, John, um, last night I, I wrote a story about the, this crazy Bill Walker accusation that there was some sort of loyalty pledge in the Dunleavy administration when it took over, that it was forcing people to sign a loyalty pledge. Now, this started, you know, four years ago. It was just, it was the most ridiculous accusation ever that if you wanted to stay on with the Dunleavy administration, you would have to sign a loyalty pledge. Well, we pulled the, the letter that the Dunleavy um, transition team, and they, remember, they were not even, um, they were not even in office yet. They were just working on the transition from the time you're elected until the time you take over office, there's a transition period where you, you're able to sort of go in and set up office and start moving on your transition things together. And the letter that they sent was almost identical to the letter that the Walker administration sent in 2014 when they took over from the Parnell administration. So we pulled that letter too. And that letter is also posted. So we've got both of those posters on the, on the front page of mustreadalaska.com. And you will see that uh, Bruce Patello, who was the head of the transition team for Bill Walker, sent a letter to all the employees saying, we, you know, please submit your resignation. And we may keep you on if we want to. And, and then we looked at the letter that, uh, that Dunleavy sent, and it's the same letter. It's the same letters, very, very small um, differences. The one difference I will say in the Dunleavy letter, it was a little bit more gracious. Now, Bruce Patello, when he was the transition chair, I didn't get this in the story because it's just in the weeds, quite honestly. When he was a transition lead for, for um, Bill Walker, he went deep, deep into the Parnell administration and anybody who had had, who was in a, an appointed position, an executive appointed position, so it'd be exempt from um, you know, union protection. Anybody who had anything to do with politics at all was let go. Bill, um, you know, Bruce Patello knew to clean house all the way down. He went as far as anybody had ever gone to get rid of anybody who was associated with Parnell. Well, that's the same thing that Tuckerman Babcock did. He, he, you know, they went very far down and they said, anybody who's appointed, we're just sending the same letter to everybody. Anybody who's in an exempt position gets the same letter. And um, I don't understand to this day, John, why they called it a loyalty pledge. If you go to Must Read Alaska and read the two letters, I think that the Dunleavy letter was just a little bit more gracious and a little bit more inviting for people who wanted to stay. They were not as savage. Bruce Patello, he, he did scorched earth on the Parnell administration because the Democrats know they've got to clean the house of all Republicans when they take over. 
And, you know, Bruce Patello was the transition chair and is, you know, one of the leading Democrats in the state. He's our former, um, I think he was our attorney general for a while. He was the, the mayor of Juneau. You know, he's, uh, he's basically running the Democratic Party uh, most of the time. So um, that's a story that I just think is really interesting that people should read because we're, we're starting to see those ads now. The Walker, ministry, the, the Walker camp, the Walker campaign is attacking uh, Dunleavy relentlessly now. They've got a lot of money and they're running attack ads. And, you know, the, the crazy thing is, is that the Dunleavy administration, I, I mean, the Dunleavy campaign, they're not even reacting. They're not even pushing back at all. It's like, it's like a little gnat on the shoulder, just like, leave me alone. But they're not doing anything. Um, so I think it's really interesting that their tactic is to just take the attacks and not worry about it. They must feel really confident because, I mean, I think this is the only thing that Walker can do right now is to attack and to try to erode support. Yeah, it's, um, you know, you ask the question of how did the story or why did the story even come about? And it's, to me, I look at it just as simply as a marketing ploy from the left. You know, they've they latched on to this letter that Dunleavy sent out and put a extremely organized marketing effort, a uh, lot tremendously grassroots initially, you know, four years ago to say that Dunleavy tr tried to make people send a loyalty pledge. And they were very successful in that marketing effort. Um, exactly. You know, they were very hurt that uh, Walker lost or, you know, baggage lost. Uh, and they were scrambling for, for things to do about it. And this was one of the things to do about it. And for folks that are listening, you know, I've ran into folks all the, you know, it seems like I run into somebody once a month and we talk, uh, talk about, you know, politics and this thing gets brought up, the, the Dunleavy loyalty pledge. And I want folks to know that are listening to this, that it's just a political sham, this, this thing that you've heard that Dunleavy's made people sign a loyalty pledge, that if you go to Must Read Alaska right now and look at both letters, Dunleavy's letter is actually better than Walker's because it invites people to reapply or to yeah you know, invites they people want to, to stay to stay on. They it invites people to stay on. Walker's letter did not do that. Mm -mm, so you gone. have you have Walker pointing the finger. Walker and his entire camp pointing the finger at Dunleavy for being a horrible boss and making them sign a loyalty pledge when he did the exact same thing but worse. And it's yeah. totally just this is the this is where they think they're that, you know, that people in Alaska are a bunch of idiots and folks need to get read up and schooled up on this. And um, Walker does not think that the average Alaskan is bright enough to figure out he did the exact same thing. So I think uh, there's no better way to show somebody than how you vote. And uh, we'll get a chance to do that here pretty soon. Well, yeah. So uh, I really encourage everybody to not only take a look at that story because, I mean, don't take my word for it. Just go read the letters. I, I published them both. And you can look at them side by side and say, is there a loyalty pledge in either of these letters? And the answer is no. And I think most reasonable people will, will see that. Partisans will find something that they will say, well, aha, here it is. But it's just not there, people. So there's that. Uh, we're, you know, the uh, the radio and TV attacks, I mean, with Walker, he's got so much money to burn. So he's just burning it up really, really fast, I think. And he knows that he's got to have a good showing. Now, he is going to be on the uh, August 16th ballot. And so will Les Guerra, the Democrat. 
and and so will Dunleavy. And then there's a, a you know a few other people. There's like Charlie Pierce. There's Chris Kirka. They're they're all going to be on that ballot. And what um, what Walker would like to see is he would like to erode some of Dunleavy's support, and he'd like it to either go to you know Charlie Pierce or Chris Kirka. But he wants to he wants to have fewer people voting for Dunleavy so that his percentage will come up a little bit more. Because right now, Walker's at about, I don't know, I'm guessing about 18% of the voters will vote for him. And the thing is, there's going to be enough people on that ballot that it's not going to look real good for him. And it won't really look that great for uh, Dunleavy either in this primary, because we're, what we're dealing with now is a, a jungle primary where everybody's mm-hmm. on the same ballot. It used to be that the Republicans had their own ballot. Now, if you were Republican or not aligned with a party, you could vote that ballot. But if you're if you've got 20 people running for governor, you know, none of them are going to get very much. So Dunleavy is probably only going to get, you know, 30 percent of of the vote on this first ballot. What Walker wants to do is to shrink the difference between those two. So he's going to be battering on on Dunleavy really hard over the next few weeks. It's going to be an, sort of an air bombing campaign on that. And, and I see that is John, I see that that Charlie Pierce has picked up a couple of endorsements. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think between uh, now and uh, the primary, you'll see Charlie Pierce, uh, Mayor Pierce, pick up steam. He just picked up an endorsement from Laura Reinbolt, which I think is uh, kind of a shot in the bow to the Dunleavy campaign because, you know, Laura was very critical of Governor Dunleavy during the whole COVID thing and is, you know, kind of lives in his neck of the woods. And now Mayor Pierce has got a endorsement from a senator in Dunleavy's neck of the woods, which is, you know, for, for, for super voters, that's a big deal. And then I think even more importantly, uh, Mayor Pierce got a uh, endorsement from Andy Kreiner, which is like the token person for the everyday business owner in Alaska. He, um, for the folks that either remember or don't remember, Andy Kreiner stuck up to Berkowitz's communist business tactics, which tried to shut shut down all the businesses, fine all the businesses, send code enforcement people to the businesses, Mm -hmm. sue all the businesses during COVID. And Andy Kreiner said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to stay open. He stayed open as long as he could until the fines got outrageous. Right. And the whole time, Andy Kreiner was all but begging the governor to do something and the governor refused to get involved in local politics. And so I think you have a situation, you know, we can get into the weeds of why a governor wouldn't want to get involved in local politics. But at the end of the day, business owners felt forgotten about. For, they felt for, left, they felt left they, behind. They yeah. felt left behind. They felt forgotten about from a from a governor that was supposed to stick up for them. And so you have Andy Kreiner endorsing Mayor Pierce. And that's going to bring a lot of everyday Joe votes with it. And I think if I'm the in the Dunleavy camp, I might want to wake up and, 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 you know, smell the flowers here and figure out a way to combat some of this because uh, Mayor Pierce is probably going to be on a war path and, and do whatever he can to get as much votes for the primary. Right. And that's the, the Walker strategy is to get more votes for uh, Charlie Pierce as well, because um, they, they want to erode the support for Dunleavy in this primary. They want to make it look like he's got less support. So they, they'd like to see more conservatives if they're not going to vote for Bill Walker then vote for Charlie Pierce and whatever it takes to erode the support. That's what they're going to be doing. But, you know, I look at this and I think 
So Laura Reinbold, she's got her own tribe of people and, and they're not just in her district across the state. She's got fans. She's got a fan base. Now it's not enough for Laura. She doesn't have a big enough fan base to actually run for governor herself because she does represent uh, you know, a really I'm almost super liber libertarian kind of viewpoint. But she is in, in many ways a hero to people because um, she refused to wear a mask on, um, on board airplanes and it you know, cost her a lot politically, but she really just felt that there was um, you know, something that, that it was illegal to require people to wear masks. And th there's a lot of people who really supported her and felt that she was a champion for them, that she took one for the team. Andy Kreiner is the same kind of person. He is a working class hero in the state. I mean, in Anchorage, he is a hero to conservatives because this is a guy who stood up to Ethan Berkowitz, who, you know, sent in the code enforcers. I remember during COVID, this shut down all the restaurants and um, sent, sent code enforcers in. Andy said, I'm going to stay open. And then he was, he was taking like 15000 dollar fines a day and finally he had to shut down because he, he really couldn't afford it but for but he made national news i think he was on fox news i mean people looked at him and said that's what we need we need people fighting and you know i think for our our governor he missed an opportunity to stand up for the working men and women in the private sector because remember during covid our our government workers they never lost a day of work in fact, mm -hmm. a lot of them got to go home and, and work with their dogs snuggling on their laps and their and their cats, um, you know, crawling all over their keyboards. They got to stay home and work. They got to take their paychecks. They banked a lot of money because they um, it actually cost money to go to work, cost you know gas money, and you've got to get a wardrobe and you eat your lunches out and stuff. But if you're staying home, you're probably saving a ton of money. So actually, government workers came out pretty good on the on the COVID thing. The private sector is still trying to catch up. And my heart goes out to people in the private sector. And I, I was thrilled when you said that people in Homer are just, um, you know, there was a lot of visitors down there because those uh, tourism businesses on the spit, you know, there's no amount of government money that really can make them whole. All that uh, PPP money, it just, it's just not enough. It was barely enough for some of them to survive. And a lot of them haven't survived. A lot of businesses have gone under. So Andy Kreiner is kind of uh, uh, my hero, your hero. And so for him to you know, come out and support Charlie Pierce, who kept the keen eye open, who, oh, yeah. you know, he stood up for small businesses. Yeah, he was the guy that uh, refused to, to back down from the crazy COVID policies that were being jammed down our throat at the federal level and even at the state level in some regards. I remember folks telling me that it's harder to fly into Anchorage and figure out all the crazy COVID process than it is in some other country that is on lockdown. Yeah. And um, Mayor Pierce stood up for small businesses every day of the week. He took so much flack for it. He also was very vocal yeah. and open about different sort of medicines that people could potentially use. Yeah. And got a ton of flack for, but, but didn't care. And so he's the kind of guy that's going to um, do what he thinks is right. And sometimes it's not going to be politically correct, but he doesn't really care because he's got a big heart and he, you know, I'm a little biased. He's a friend of mine, but um, he really cares about the people. 
he doesn't really care. He doesn't really like being a politician. He just wants to do the right thing. And he thinks the state can be run better. So, yeah, yeah, I'm a big I'm a big Charlie Pierce fan for all those reasons, because I, I watched him um, and how he governed the Kenai. And he kept saying, we're open for business. We are not going to shut people down. We're not going to lock down. And he kept the um, the borough open as open as he was allowed to keep it. Um, he, he kept it open and the businesses on the Kenai, uh, they didn't shut down. Yeah, and, he took know? I mean, the local papers here just, you know, they ate him alive. Him. They I mean, they just ate him alive and he could have cared less. And, and he just yeah. kept going and kept doing what he thought was right. And I think that's the kind of, you know, if there's a, if Dunleavy ends up winning again, um, you know, that's one of the things I think hopefully that we can see in this next term is people just want to know that you got their back. It's, uh, they don't care about you creating, you know, 47 different policies about getting their back. They just want to physically know that you have their back. And sometimes it takes showing up and and making statements and just being there it's not that you have to create bills or you you have to you can only show up if you have the authority to make a change no just show up be a a nice person and and have people's backs and i think that's what mayor pierce does and does really well you know um i know that mayor pierce didn't probably come up and and sit down at the counter at uh Kreiner's diner and have lunch or anything, but that's the kind of thing you would, you would want this governor to do, you know, but Dunleavy to go and, and show up and sit down and have lunch at a place that was standing up for the right thing. So, you know, we're kind of looking for a little bit more uh, courage in, in our leaders. And, uh, and it's interesting to see that Laura Reinbold and Andy Kreiner are deciding that Charlie Pierce is the guy who's got the courage to do the job. You know, speaking of endorsements, uh, it is we are starting to see a lot of uh, endorsements come out. And endorsements are important. You know, everything's important when you're running a campaign. Uh, they say signs aren't important. Signs are important. Um, door knocking is important. TV and radio ads are important. And flyers are important. And um, endorsements are important. They're all part of the thing. Um, I was very interested to see that our uh, one of our business leaders, Jim Jansen, endorsed Bill Walker because this is Jim Jansen who used to endorse Mike Dunleavy, and and now has flipped and endorsed Bill Walker. And Bill Walker, of course, was was last time around a he was a candidate who was manufactured by the Democrats. He put together a a, a partnership with Democrat Byron Malott. And then they were endorsed by the Democrats and they ran essentially as the they were the Democratic Party's candidates. And so it's fascinating that Jim Jansen, who is a pretty big business leader, Lyndon Transfer and all that here in um, in Anchorage, all over Alaska, historic company has decided to back Bill Walker. That is a pretty big loss, I think, for Dunleavy. And I think that he should be paying attention to that. Um, There was a, a. a meeting of the state central committee over the weekend on Saturday. And this is of the Republican party. I didn't go because um, I was, I was in travel status this weekend, but there were a number of people who came forward looking for endorsements. One of them was Chris Kirka, who's running for governor. And he, he, he did not get the endorsement of the state central committee for governor. So um, he left without that. I mean, actually he wasn't there. I think he was down in Valdez. His, um, his running mate, Paul Huper, who's running for lieutenant governor with him, has broken his leg and he's laid up right now and he won't be campaigning for a few weeks. 
till he can kind of start hobbling around. So really, Chris Kirk is kind of on his own and looking at his quarterly, uh, I mean, at his 30 day report, it looks to me like Chris is kind of running out of money and he's, he's sort of run through his funds. He's running out of money. His running mate has a broken leg and um, things are things just a little bit tough for him over there. And now he has not gotten an endorsement from the Republicans. They, um, you know, they fail to appreciate some of the things that he has done um, that are, you know, maybe questionable. Um, <laughs> but he's right. I was I was surprised to even try to get an endorsement because he's been very critical of the party. And um, I know that his it was probably one of his, you know, supporters that asked for the endorsement. But I was surprised that he would even ask because he has been really nothing but critical of the party since he's uh, started to run for governor. Yeah. And in his 30 day report, it looks like he's down to about two thousand dollars. So uh, this is tough for him. Now, there was some interesting things that happened at the state central committee meeting. There was a group down in Ketchikan, the Ketchikan district uh, leaders. They had a resolution to censure Sarah Palin for the, from the party because of the things that she did, where she supported Bill Walker for governor, where she um, asked uh, uh, Ted Stevens to resign, where she, uh, she took the money that was designated for the Ketchikan bridge to the airport, and she called that a bridge to nowhere. She took that money and spent it elsewhere. The Ketchikan people in the party were really unhappy with her, and they brought forward a resolution to have the party censure her. That ended up getting tabled this weekend. It didn't get voted on, didn't get voted up, didn't get voted down. It ended up getting tabled. So Sarah Palin has scooted by on, on that. But some other endorsements, uh, did, she did not get endorsed by the party for, uh, for Congress either. She, she didn't get that. Um, they, they didn't have anybody bring that forward. Nobody has, has asked the party to endorse her. So I guess they figured out that that wasn't going to happen. But interestingly enough, Joe Wright, who's running for Senate seat L, which is um, the Eagle River seat that has opened up with redistricting. Joe Wright was endorsed for that seat. And that is, uh, was really a, a good thing for him. I, I think it's interesting that Kelly Merrick, who is the representative for that area, she's also running for Senate seat L and she was not endorsed. In fact, she was not only not endorsed, she was actually censured by the party because, again, she has basically aligned herself with Democrats and against the Republicans. And so here she is running for a Senate seat in her own home district there up in Eagle River, and she has been censured by her party. So we have, we've always known that, that Kelly Merrick was sort of just a uh, you know, Republican in name only because of it's sort of a matter of convenience for her. But now she is really out of step with her. But this is the second time she's been censured by the party. The party censured her before. Then when that expired with the new election coming up, they've censured her again. They really don't like her. They're done with her. So that was kind of interesting. I know we're out of time. Are there any other things that, uh, that we, ought to, we ought to cover? Can I, can I just mention one more, more thing before we go? Mike Shower, Senator Mike Shower, who's running for his Senate seat again. He was endorsed by the um, party over the weekend, but he also picked up another great endorsement. He got endorsed by um, Anchorage Mayor Dave Bronson. So I'll be putting a little story up about that today. Now, if you're a supporter of Must Read Alaska, I just want to thank you guys so much. It just makes us po it possible for us to stand up for what's right in Alaska. And we'd like to thank, again, Shoshana Gungerstein for U.S. Senate for sponsoring the Must Read Alaska show. And thank you, Shoshana. Check out her campaign at gungersteinforsenate.com, where she talks about what her platform is and how she is a, an independent and nonpartisan candidate for Senate. 
If you'd like to support the conservative side of the news in Alaska, well, the donate button's on the right-hand side of the page. We really do appreciate it. A lot of running costs to this operation, and you help us keep uh, the lights on on the right side of the news. So, John, you've got the podcast the rest of the week. I'll maybe uh, check in with you on Friday where I'm, you know, I've got a, a guest that I'm trying to queue up for you on Friday and or for me on Friday and it'd be Nick Begich. I'm hoping that he'll come on the show. We're trying to get him on today, but he's just getting back from um, a trip to Deltana and uh, Fairbanks. And I guess he'll be on the show if if, uh, if you can work him in on Friday. Yeah, the uh, exciting uh, guest this week, we got Mayor Dave Bronson tomorrow, which is going to be exciting. Uh, we have uh, the Alaska Travel Girl on the on oh, Wednesday. She's my, she's my favorite. And then we have uh, Diane Kaplan, uh, the CEO of uh, Rasmussen Foundation, on Thursday. So that'll be exciting. Uh, well, you, yeah, that'd be great. Well, if you could fit me in on Friday, that'd be great. <laughs> You're a busy well, man. Yeah, it's going to be a good week for our podcast. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next next time from Mustard, Alaska. <laughs>